変身ありはい。This time we looked at、um, Comrider Deno episodes 17, that person just now in the past, 18, a clockwork fiance,、uh, 19, that man zero star, 20, let me say this to start, 21, fighting style, and 22, an, an unspeakable future.、Uh, next time we are looking at five episodes,、um, 23 through 27, and that will lead directly into the movie. Uh, there was one thing I did want to bring up, though.、Um, I'm debating whether I should add this to our pre movie episode, Steph. And it's weird because we don't have David here, so he, he can't give context on this. But <laughs> have you ever heard of Cranch and Chan or no?、Uh, no, but I feel like I've seen it mentioned before, or maybe you've mentioned it in passing that it doesn't sound completely unfamiliar. It's like a popular anime series. It's been compared a little bit to like. To stuff like The Simpsons, I guess. It's like a super long running series. Oh, nice.、Uh, so it did like a summer episode around the time that Deno was getting really popular right before its movie. So it did this、um, summer special that was like live action clips of the cast of Comrider Deno like presenting the episodes and then a crossover anime episode that was like a、oh, lead、wow. up to the movie. Um, And somebody very conveniently、uh, clipped out all of the live action bits. <laughs> and,、um, and the one anime episode to make like the one hour special, like only like 17 minutes. And I'm like, maybe we should look at that. That would be fun. <laughs> that does sound like a lot of fun. I- I'm down with it. And also,、um, I have to confess the notebook that I usually use to take notes in, I accidentally packed、uh, in a box because we're getting ready to move in a couple of weeks.、Um, So, I had forgotten that we were stopping at 22. So, I actually watched to 24. This oh, okay.、Bit. Yeah. <laughs> so, that was my fault. Also, I'm using a completely new notebook and it has completely disoriented me. So, I, I don't know what life is right now. No, yeah. It's just been a. It's that time, I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but no.、Um, there's a... enough here. Like, I think we'll be fine. But、um, I think. 
as much as I don't want to, um, I bet that David would have a strong opinion either way on this show. <laughs> <laughs> but if we're both for it, like I think like adding a fun anime live action crossover might be interesting. What do you think? Oh, definitely. I just I I think that would be super cool, and the idea that they even did that is very interesting to me and i can't wait to see it maybe even like we'll like clip it out as like a 15 minute like bonus episode and be like here's our talk on this special <laughs> yeah yeah that'd be great then uh for in about like two weeks from now uh the plan is to uh watch 23 through 27 of comrade deno and then um a little i guess a bonus of a uh, Karan shin chan and then um after that will be the movie so that is two episodes from from now is the movie. Uh, we're, we're, that'll be its own episode, and then uh, from there we will tell you more about what's next. That's uh, the next two book clubs for us. But with uh, the bookkeeping out of the way, um, we should start because we have a lot here. <laughs> I think. Yeah, yeah. This is a lot of content for just this short block of shows. Yeah, as always. Um, we're going to go by character arc and uh, the first two episodes like here is like um, 17 and 18, which is like um, very much feels like a before point in the show too, just like with what happens later. But yeah, so these episodes kind of focus on like um, the strain that the four Imogen feel um, as they're all in Ryotaro's body. And they're like worried about being replaced and like he's passing out and there's like, oh, what's going to happen to us? What's going on? And then also like the backdrop of um, we meet a um, high school friend of Ryotaro too. Mm -hmm. We learn more about um, his sister's fiance. So what were your like thoughts broadly on this episode? So the first thing that I noticed was that uh tension between the four of them a lot of that actually was sparked by hannah um and her like indirectly and at one point directly saying she was going to personally get rid of one of them if he kept passing out um and then on top of that something that i found funny was it kind of seemed like there were some instances where naomi was like actively encouraging all the animosity totally. between them because it was so entertaining for her to see all of them fight. And I was just like, that's because all she does all day is make coffee and make those strange little flag meals for the owner. So yeah, that's probably exactly how she gets her entertainment most of the time. Um, but yeah, other than that, I was very curious about like that high school friend because they kind of left um, up to this point whenever it's, someone that they were going to focus on um, having the story was an image and they had this kind of very clear sense of like who they were and what their motivation was. And I noticed they started to really step away from that with these episodes and taking more time with those people. So I enjoyed that kind of slow burn of getting to find out, like, I know she just kept saying nostalgia, but to kind of figure out what was really going on in her head that stretched out over a couple episodes. And I liked that a lot. It's interesting too, because I think like, um, Sawada so is really here to like open up who Ryotaro is like too. Where like she shows up and she's like, "Oh, it's so good to see you" and all this stuff. And like they're talking about like their senior year of like college and stuff, and um, or like high school. And um, she moved to England, 
Mm-hmm. And now she's back and was like, oh, look, you're visiting. Are you on break? And she's like, oh, yeah, totally. Um, But like, <laughs> <laughs> I do really like it's a, yeah, just the way that we're seeing more about what happened to Ryotaro because he's kind of like, oh, yeah, I dropped out of high school. Mm hmm. She's also like maybe starting to do that. And like the show's very sad. <laughs> yeah, it is. There are in uh, as I've said before, there's actually been a couple of parts that made me almost, you know, tear up because it, this show's really good about kind of tugging on your heartstrings when you're least expecting it. Yeah, um, I think that um the feeling of Going to a place and then like coming back and being like super nostalgic and what's changed. And like, it's like, um, I've never cared about this like local like donut shop, but now it's changed. I'm mm-hmm. so sad. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I also like that we get some really great character depth from Ari when she's talking to her mm-hmm. because you, you, you kind of see past that whole just kind of manic pixie dream girl thing she has going on and you see that she actually has a really deep caring for you know not just her brother but everybody and she's got actually a lot of wisdom that she draws on and you know it kind of gives you the idea that maybe that's how she gets through what goes on in her head is she manic pixie dream girl she's very sad like outwardly (laughs) like i'm not sure if she's very pixie well, the, the reason why I say that is because she has like those silly little quirks, like talking about her coffee friends and making everybody be quiet when the water's boiling and stuff like that. It, it, you might be right. Pixie might not be the right term for it, but it just that kind of quirkiness and I don't know, eccentricity. I, Forlorn elf dream girl. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> yeah. And um, I love the way that like um, when she makes a contract. The dude just starts like killing girls in the street. Just like, just like <laughs> man, Kevin Ryder, yeah. you're crazy. I was, yeah, that was my thought. Like, where in what she said does this? I, I had a really hard time with that one. Like, what what is his thought process here? I forgot what like careful what you wish for these were though, because like a lot of them are just like, oh yeah, I you missed that high school change, so I killed a bunch of high schoolers. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's almost like that monkey paw situation that they always warn you about. Yeah, and like I liked that her position too is like to be like, oh, we finally find out that like he did drop out of high school and like in his senior year, like pretty close to graduating. And like she knows about like the marriage too. And like I assumed that it was like a time travel thing that Realtor remembered because he was like a singularity point, but that's kind of mm-hmm. out the window. Like right. I guess she doesn't she remembers but other people don't know so it's like what happened how close was it like the implication because um like making a timeline a little bit she's been gone since september for the british school year yeah she says that they were meant to be married that um they were meant to be married at the start of the year or like a month after the, after he disappeared at the start of the year so like in february this show starts in March, so does that mean that like, like a month before this show started was when, like, the fiance disappeared and only Ryoto remembers? That's kind of implied. I guess right? that would have to be like the only way that that timeline came together. But 
until she said something, I it never had occurred to me that uh, Rio's the only one who talks about this guy. And that kind of made it made me start to think, like, why? Why is that? What is the situation where it seems like he is literally the only person that has any concept of this, aside from this one character who has been in another country this entire time? Like, and I, I was like, why did I never question this before? What the hell is happening? And very much just like what I was saying, I assumed it was before was, oh, Timeline change, only he remembers. If other people remember, that means it, it's not a timeline change. It's something else. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's, like, definitely, like, okay. If we're working on a bit of a timeline, um, we know that because they're talking about the watch later and how, like, he, he got it last year. So, like, uh, at the start of 2007, this guy disappears a month before their wedding. Like, so, like, in March, in, like... January or February, Rio's Row drops out of school, even though the school year ends, I think, at the end of March or like at the start of April. And like he's like a senior in high school, like he's about to graduate. So like that's a lot. <laughs> like, yeah, like uh, I really like do think like it's the kind of thing like losing such an important memory or like a like important person just like really put <laughs> really put Ari into like this mode where like he felt like he like she needs care she needs me around she needs me here Mm -hmm. now not in april now you know yeah and that makes a lot of sense because that's definitely his entire personality type too he would drop everything in the world to take care of her um and it feels like it's very within her personality to not even realize that she needs taken care of as much as he does so yeah uh, that's that's a really good way to look at it and their parents aren't, aren't around, and I'm pretty sure... Um, that seems to be a theme with the common Rider shows. <laughs> yeah, no, that is for true, but um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure from the movie that, um, just remembering, no spoilers, but like, he's about 10, like 9 or 10 when his parents die, so she's about like 15 or 16, mm-hmm. and that's about like 8 years ago, so like, like 8, 7 years ago, so... Yeah, um, (laughs) they've only had each other for a long time. And like, that's what like makes the fiance stuff so sad because it's like very much like, oh, and these past two years have been so full of joy because like we finally had somebody else. And like, he really loved this dude, like clearly. Um, And yeah, it's um, he's clearly messed up by it, too. He's like, how come my sister does not remember is like in like full on like missing part of her mind mode (laughs) it's a lot yeah 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 i um did want to talk to about um we like do like finally get the moment of like um ryodoro looks and sees the face of the like mysterious stranger man he's like oh that's like him well that's like sakurai yuto and stuff like what do you think of like him actually seeing this guy's face and like chasing him down and all that i feel like that is something that is definitely unique to him. I feel like, at least with the other series that we've seen so far, I think that all the rest of them would have been the type of heroes to 100% fight off the monster first and then try and find the guy. But for Rio, that just seemed very in line with his personality to just 
at that second, it didn't matter to him that there was a monster capable of hurting multiple people. He saw the guy that had hurt him and his sister, especially his sister. So that was the lead he was going to follow no matter what. So it it was a little annoying that they didn't ever really show his face. And we had to wait once again for that kind of reveal about like what was going on, because I've been really interested in that guy in the trench coat since the series started. Um, but yeah, like it, it was definitely in line for him as a character, I think. That whole scene, though, of like a in the first episode of the like two episodes going back in time and be like you see his like high school entrance and like it's like oh like he's like sees this moment of like himself like three years ago where things were so different and then like has to like keep going and like he's also like trying to fight on his own which is like increasing the like anxiety of like the image too and like he just mm-hmm. is getting like wrecked with, but like he's doing better than before he's like like, like he, trying so hard and he's like so upset and the stopwatch i guess like they gave him last year so it's not this dude from three years ago it's this dude from sometime after that point like it's it's like oh he he disappeared and now he's here what's going on right um and i really like um the scene where um at the start of the second episode here um he's like in this like car tunnel walking almost passing out and like remembering his sister being sad like the boat with the like stopwatch on it and like just like going in and out of consciousness too yeah um i liked that a lot it was not only just beautiful way to kind of portray his emotions and what he was going through but this show is really really great at those environments when they have gone back in time and Mm -hmm. making you feel like yeah that you've stepped back in time with them um it's such a great shot just not only the um the scenery but the lighting and just everything about it was was perfect it was absolutely beautiful i liked how they kind of concluded the image of drama like it's like oh like he gets like possessed by rutro to like not die in the first fight but then like they're all like talking and fighting then like Rizro says, oh, yeah, he blocked you guys out because he wanted to work out and eat a lot of food. So he got stronger. <laughs> and it's like, oh, it's all that as well. What a brat. <laughs> he's kind of great. Like, he's like very chaotic. Like, I forgot how much th- these dynamics were. Yeah. Well, and they're so much fun, too. I mean, the way that the four Imogen interact with each other is probably one of my favorite parts of the show, because no matter how heavy everything around them is getting, they always have just the best comedic relief. And Momo has the best lines out of any character in any show, period. Like, he consistently makes me laugh every time he's on screen. Yeah, and um, I love how, like, they then resolve to fight together. But, like, first, like, they all hear the story, and they're all so sad. And, and like, they leave him in the train car and turn the lights off so he can sleep. Just like, ah, uh, what a... <laughs> Like, I get Wataru and Kiva was doing a shy, a shy guy again and like a sad boy again. But this is like very much like the first time this has happened. And they do Ryotaro so well. Oh, yeah, for sure. Then was this the point where um Kintaro shows up and it's like, hey, make a wish. I got any wish <laughs> so I can leave and you won't be sad or like weak. 
Uh, yeah, yeah. And that's a <laughs> that made me laugh because you could tell just from having seen his how he interacts with people before that he was strictly doing it because he thought it was the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't like him just trying to pressure him so he could get out of there. It, it was, you know, he really was concerned that he was making this guy sick and he didn't want any part of that. So and then, of course, that turned into a fight, which once again made me laugh. So it, it just was one of those things you couldn't you can't get around with those guys in any scene. I liked how they were all fighting together in the end. And like um, that led to Momotros, who was like being teased of like being given up the whole time, like not wanting to fight and like like just like sl- like on the ground sitting, like talking. Hey, no more secrets. Like, make sure, like, you talk to your sister. Like, just, like, a very good moment for him. It was, because it was one of those, you know, he's always such a goofball on screen. He's always quick to temper. He's always calling uh, Hannah the nosy chick. Like, you know, he's always one of those guys that you don't really expect any character depth from. And then you see him really trying to reach out and be like, look, this is upsetting me that you're not only hurting yourself, but you're being dishonest with people that you care about. You're going to have to not do that anymore. Mm. And like, I like really um, love how this whole arc ends by like this moment of peace and we're going to talk and we're going to work through everything. And then um, we meet Sakura Yuto. And what did you think about this? (laughs) Uh, uh, He reminded me a lot of, uh, Oh, what's his name's brother when we get introduced to him in the last series we watched? Oh, Taiga? Yes, yes. He he walks in, he's this big, handsome, arrogant presence and just immediately takes over the screen. And it Did he remind does, you of anybody else? I feel like he should. And like I said, have a cold right now, so brain's not all there. <laughs> Um, he is the, um, same actor as Karaya from Hibiki. I, you know, I knew he looked familiar, but it wasn't coming to me. And I was just like, oh, I've probably seen him in a meme or something on one of the Reddits. <laughs> but yeah, uh, so this is his second role in Kamen Rider. It's the one people like a lot more. <laughs> people do not like Karaya. They, they like him here, but just comes in like a total asshole a lot like Karaya did honestly just like here's this shy boy and here I am and I'm so great yeah yeah and well and the thing with him is it takes so long after he's introduced to <laughs> for him to be any kind of sympathetic as a character <laughs> because he walks in he's immediately rude to everyone he is very weird with Ari like Everything that he does, you're like, what is his purpose in this show aside from just being a dick? Until, you know, eventually he starts to loosen up a little bit, but you could, it's still hard there for a while to find anything really redeeming about him. But he comes in like dressed so 2007 and is just like, I'm Sakura Yuto. Stop it. I hate you. Get out of my hair. Right. And that leads like right into the like, next arc in like 1920 where like the first scene is like this super overcast like dark dramatic lighting as like he's being followed and like Riotro is like asking questions and like 
he basically told like hey like you keep helping people like i'm saving the timeline like if you like keep prodding this like you'll warp time stop it right and then um he walks away and we hear this voice in his head be like that was very mean like if you want to be friends with him you have to be nice and then he punches himself in the face and then then like cries about it (laughs) yeah and i will say that that is one of my favorite things that he does pretty consistently over this block of episodes is whenever that voice annoys him too much he has no problem hurting himself to shut it up and it it does not ever fail to make me laugh when he does what'd you think of dead because he's like a new he's a new image in here he is and there's something you know the way that he's so submissive and you know friendly and going out of his way to always apologize to people and try to take care of people he's very different from any imogen we've seen so far like his entire purpose seems to be very different from everyone else's so i'm i'm very curious to get more of like their backstory together and his story in particular because i was not expecting that at all yeah because uh, he's like constantly like being like oh be nice he's like making food he's giving people candy like saying oh like deep down like yuto really wants to be friends with you too and like oh, let's be nice and <laughs> deep down yuto's very sorry about this <laughs> which like it's like a very fun like contrast to like a lot of the other like taros for example are like assholes <laughs> yeah it's true and like i loved how like they just wrestle and stuff and it's like oh like he actually like ripped his clothes then they have to like go get clothes and like they're in like a clothes boost and like fighting and everyone's like like looking like, what's going on that is the second funniest thing that we've seen happen in a changing room in one of these episodes for sure <laughs> My favorite bit, though, here is that, like, um, Yuto goes to the Milk Dipper, like, just seemingly to be an asshole, like, in case he gets the, just like, maybe I could be an asshole to a bunch of people if I do this. Right. Um, and, like, he um, sees that Ari doesn't recognize him, sees her, like, two suitors. And then um, <laughs> he sees that, that the lost and found at the Milk Dipper is just a bunch of bouquets. <laughs> Which we know from the early episodes are uh, from her group of suitors that hang around her all day. It's so funny that she would think that was lost and found, though. <laughs> it's very good. <laughs> and then he says, oh, boy, she's sure having fun. Yeah. Like he isn't there just to cause mental distress. Come on, guy. You don't really have the moral high ground here. And um, he likes too much he is very bad at coffee because he hates like black coffee and he has too much sugar. <laughs> and she tries to warn him. My little coffee friends are very good, but he won't listen. I do love the small moment of like the uh, two suitors are like talking about like how like, yeah, like youth these days, they don't like appreciate coffee as like um, the reporters sp- like scooping sugar into the like monk's coffee, like that was such a good move and you know those two individually are annoying and i know they're meant to come off that way but anytime they're in a scene together especially when they're fighting over impressing her i i can't help but laugh i mean they just have the best kind of um three stooges shenanigans about them constantly Mm, yeah and 
I like how um we see like um Ryotaro is like, hey, don't make fun of me and my family. Like you're nothing like Sakurai Yuto. Like you like could not be that same person. And then like Momotro's like gets in him to fight. And then like that's when like Den Ebb like gets into Yuto and like I like the way he looks possessed with his like long hair and stuff. He's like immediately like, I'm sorry. <laughs> it was very rude of him. That's yeah, not it right. was that was very shocking. <laughs> then they get like some candy and they like um learn that um <laughs> there is a like monster currently has this man wants to see a time capsule that oh no, he has like a dead girlfriend. But uh <laughs> He's not given much time, you know? <laughs> right. He's very much like, okay, I was a boxer, and then I buried a time capsule, and I gave up boxing, and then my girlfriend died. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe this is the second time today I'm telling this story. That was great. <laughs> well, and that was one thing I was going to ask, and, and I'll ask you, and, and uh, we can ask David next time he's on, but is that something that's common in Japan? I mean, that episode made it look like bearing time capsules. Uh, I mean, I mean, I think it's definitely if I had to guess, it's probably as common as it is here. People like bury time capsules like in the US a lot, just like not a lot, but like <laughs> we see three I remember time capsules. We did it in like high school, but that's the only time I've ever done it or even thought about it because I, I always just was like, OK, I'm putting something in the ground. I thought it was weird that the mom and child were at like a public park in the sandbox, like bearing a time capsule. Uh, yeah. Cause I was like, somebody's going to find that before you do. And like, uh, this, um, jellyfish imogen is like pretty strong and like, is like hard to fight. And, um, and absolutely disgusting. Yeah. Zero out of 10, my least favorite imogen ever, especially when they started showing those big white splotches everywhere. I was like, Oh no, we're not watching a kid's show. <laughs> I saw somebody use the notation of like um the first letter of the Imogen, like when they're possessing Ryotro. So like when Embryotro shows up, he says, How about playing with me instead of playing with that hole? Uh you know, I think I mentioned before with Momo and that climax thing, there was already some questionable questionable language in the show but that was a little bit much <laughs> what do you think at the end when we see the zero liner appear though I, I you know i was completely blown away by that because i don't know why i know better from watching these shows but i just assumed that the deadliner was the only one in the universe and by some of the reactions i think that that was kind of the assumption for a couple other people on that train also so that was and then getting to see them kind of meet up with each other in that rainbow desert was unexpected, but it was a really good surprise because I was like, OK, well, now this leads to later on in the series where we're going to find out there's more out there. Yeah. And like, I like the scene where they're like parlaying and like they send like a bunch of the like Imogen like in the hallway and they're talking and like having candy and like the way that like Deneb just has like a bunch of like different candy with his face on it in the basket and like he's just like oh like please be friends if like yuto please be friends and yuto's just being the biggest smarmiest 18 year old asshole you could be 
Of course, yeah. And like, he's basically saying like, hey, like, keep fighting alone. Keep loitering in time. You could save people. I'm protecting the flow of time. And just like, he keeps saying, how could you be like Deno? Like, you're not good enough. And then we're also hearing, oh, um, the Zero Liner was thought lost in the destroyed time, but it's still there. And like, Hana is very much like, what's going on? What do you know? And he won't tell her. Mm hmm. Yeah, which was frustrating because I've been wondering more about her timeline this entire time also. So to finally have someone that might be able to give her answers be so obtuse about it, I could feel her frustration at that moment. And like, I like the way that um, he thinks he's broken him and like, it's not true. And then like, they like have both got on that trail. Then like the like fight at the end. Um, what do you think of our our um, new common Rider, though? Uh, I was really, really stoked, um, especially when we got to see the Vega form. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's a great design right it, it that was everything for me and the fact that they're still talking to each other in that form like still uh, just sharing those barbs back and forth uh it was just beautiful i i loved everything about it like the um primary altair form is like very solid like looks great and then like oh, yeah. the way that, like he physically gets armor. lightning yeah. oh yeah no, I loved both of them, but just that when he transforms to that Vega form, that just took it to a whole new level. I was like, yes. <laughs> and of course, like when you show like green and gold, like I'm like right back to being like a like kid and be like, oh yeah, this is the best Power Rangers. <laughs> that's that was where my thought went to. I was like, oh, I'm getting I'm getting Power Rangers flashback vibes. So that's probably part of the reason I enjoyed it so much. Also, I got that same feeling of nostalgia. And um. There's this great bit where, like, he gets tired of dodging, so he has, like, Deneb hold the Imogen, and just, like, he just, like, attacks it from behind. <laughs> <laughs> but that is yeah. not honorable. Uh, but, <laughs> like, I like how, like, he becomes part of the armor and stuff, versus, like, just, like, possessing him. Like, I like how it's, like, a, like, fusion. Yeah, yeah, that was really unique, and, and I enjoyed it, because, like I said, seeing them still get to have their kind of interaction that they have is kind of abusive as it is. <laughs> I, I, I like seeing them still taking that input from each other and just kind of, like, making it work, even if you can tell that there's sometimes some animosity there. What do you think um, when he pulled the card out of his belt and it and it faded away. I was questioning that. I was like, I'm not seeing a card do that so far in this series before. So, yeah, that was a, a really interesting twist that we got there. Yeah. And like it's um, expand on like in this like last set, though. And I think um, there's a lot going on here. So let's get these last two, like 21, 22. They're talking with the owner and the owner has like Riotro's like mimicking him and dancing behind him <laughs> love him and they basically say like okay all we know is that this is sakurai from 10 years ago um and somehow the other sakurai is still in time so therefore we don't know what's going on this train was thought to be destroyed so we don't know mm -hmm. but we probably shouldn't pry <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's it's kind of 
I know we've talked about this before, but it, it, they have a tendency in these shows to where even if um, they have a female character who has a story that you want to see expanded on, it always gets kind of shoved off to the side. But the actress who plays Hannah does a very good job of even when, you know, they're kind of procrastinating on getting to her issues, like her facial expressions will tell it all, even if she's really good about bucking up so she can protect people. You can always see like what she's feeling and what's going on in her head. And I, I enjoyed that through this whole thing, because you could tell it was bothering her that it wasn't something they could address right away. But she has a, such a real sense of duty that she also understood why it just wasn't possible right now. Yeah. And like, I think too, um, she's definitely a character in like a modern show. They would have made a like writer pretty soon. Like, and like to see her have to like deal with this stuff without having that base or without having like the ability, like it's seems very much like there's a lot of people who like just can't do anything in the face of time. And like, that's interesting in that that's her character. Mm -hmm. So like, I like do wonder how I feel about her plot line this time. Cause there's definitely a ton that I don't remember, you know? Yeah. Well, and I'm inter interested to see how much of that we eventually get to see, because one of the things that's so great about her character is like you mentioned, she doesn't have the power behind her, but she is so fucking fearless. Mm -hmm. That it almost doesn't matter. Like you see that when he's getting beat up by the bunch of guys from the dojo and she just walks in just kicking and punching. You know, she walked into that situation knowing she didn't have a chance, but she didn't even hesitate. So it'll be interesting to see if we get anything in her storyline like that kind of contributed to that. Mm. And um, something I want to mention here is that we get like the Taro's leaving a bath and they're like, oh, like. I should have had more bath time, all the stuff. And like they're like being told by <laughs> Naomi. No, you gotta go to the bath. And then um we saw like a scene before this where Rutros asks Yurotaros like if he can kill him, and then like um he shows a picture that <laughs> <laughs> he shows a picture to Hana and Ryotaro of like, hey, here's a picture of a gun form killing zero dose. You should know about this. <laughs> this is troubling for a child. There's just there's something so sweet though about how much he loves Ari, and just that kind of like jealousy that he's struggling with. It's so hyper unrealistic for him to think that anything could ever happen there, but the fact that he is just so childishly childishly leans into this affection that he has for her is so adorable that you can't help but you know kind of feel bad for him that he can't go beat up the other guy <laughs> yeah and like i like this tension too because like it's just like such a they're doing all this stuff of like oh yeah you can't um <laughs> you can't step on my drawings they're like like, like this whole arc they're like just like trying very hard not to step on like any drawings and like randomly posed like twister like all around too like he's like a like like this very like very <laughs> whimsy <laughs> <laughs> he like has no control filter and then like even later like when like he's talking to Ryotaro and like 
realtor was like, hey, I'm going to stop you. Like, even if I have to, like, hurt myself, I'm going to stop you. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like a very... They gave this character a lot he could do for how much he needs to be controlled. Yeah. And I think that that's what's so charming about him because he, like, you know, you see that kind of play out in a couple of different arenas. Um, my thinking specifically is like um, the Incredibles with baby Jack Jack. Like you have this super powerful being being that has no idea how to regulate either themselves or all the emotions that they're feeling. So they're constantly causing chaos without ever really realizing it. Um, so for him to be playing against such other characters who are much more mature, it's just it, it always leads to its own kind of funny, charming kind of, you know, can't help but like him moments. Yeah, um, so I want to talk about um, the festival that they are celebrating here. Um, it is a Japanese festival called Tanabata, also known as the Star Festival. Um, it celebrates the meeting of the deities Orheim and Kikaboshi. Um, so basically, they can only meet once a year. They are separated by the stars. In the mm -hmm. sky, they are represented by the stars vega and altair oh and then there's a third star making the triangle named deneb it's basically a like story of a like um god and a not god who like were like prevented from meeting by like the powers that be like by like other gods besides this one day where they can cross the like river of the stars so i think we can like pick into like what David knows better. Like I like have a, a like very top level thing, but that's where that naming convention comes from. That's that legend there. Interesting. Hey, I never knew that. Um, and in fact, with this holiday, the only exposure I'd had to it is that uh, once a year you can buy those trees in Animal Crossing. So <laughs> I, I've bought one every year. I I had no idea what they were for. I just love setting them up on my island, but. I, and um, I think when you click on them, you can read like a couple of little wishes on the colored papers. But uh, yeah, so that's very interesting to get to know. Yeah, um, there's a lot of stuff that is like takes a lot of cultural knowledge, like like just like uh, like how we're like we're talking about like, oh, here's who like why people would all know who Lomotros is and that kind of stuff. So it's like that. Um, mm hmm. And yeah, um, I do like how um, we get this moment like in the shop where um, Yuto came back just to be an asshole, I guess. And um, he um, is like leaving as Ryotaro is like trying to stop Ruturos from taking him over. And then like immediately like, he hugs his sister and like it's all weird. And like, what's going on there? And then we see like the fucking... Adam West Batman, like the Zords from Power Rangers, <laughs> these breakdancers just start to like go through the city like they're being summoned. <laughs> <laughs> that was such a good scene. And I think like if you, for whatever reason, had walked in to this series on that episode, you think that was the craziest fucking thing you'd ever seen in your life. But kind of already having been introduced to him and his style before, I knew exactly what was going on. I was like, oh, shit, he got a hold of the body. <laughs> I 
And there's just like six different dudes we see like in the middle of like crosswalks and like stairs, just like break dancing towards. <laughs> and then like when they actually like find him, like they start to like chase him while break dancing and like doing like skateboarding moves on like railings and stuff, but like with their bodies. He's like, this seems bad. <laughs> and just like it, it goes. It's, yeah, it was like this weird mixture of dancing and like parkour and <laughs> I don't know. I just I, I get such a big kick out of seeing that almost like West Side Story style of almost battle <laughs> that they had going on there. And like he's trying so hard not to fight with like not to transform. And like we hear him say, like, if not for you know what, like we wouldn't have to rely on Nagami if not for this and for that. And um he finally has to like transform after like telling like Hana I only transform like a limited number of times this is bad but I'm doing it and um mm-hmm. yeah they fight and um the actor in the zero no suit is um doing wild amount of like parkour and running and like flips <laughs> it was very good <laughs> that entire battle was really good uh, honestly just I enjoyed the hell out of that they played it really well in um, just the amount of action involved in it. I was like, okay, this is what I live for right here. And like the end too is just like, um, Hana gets really hurt. Yeah. The way she's like limping at the end, like her arm is hurt and like she has to like take over because um, Deneb wasn't here because this guy was opening up a candy stand for the holiday and he passed out. So Deneb put on a tiger costume to like relieve him and like do it for him so he could rest and just <laughs> then she goes and like nobody will buy candy because she's like a really dour looking tiger <laughs> well who wants to buy candy from a dour looking tiger i mean yeah and just i like love how like then we see naomi and then we see like Ryotaro, and they're all like like let's like, just like selling as much as they can like being nice and trying to like do this all and the way they're being looked down on by yuto who's like Friends are tough. I don't want any friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because of course, then you've got Deneb trying to hit, give him candy again and say, go talk to them, go talk to them, go make some friends. I know you want some friends. And I love, too, how, like, I guess Hana had to take off all her clothes to put the tiger, like, costume on. I was like, what's that about? <laughs> yeah, I thought that was weird because I was like, didn't that other guy had it just over his clothes? Yeah, that was kind of strange. But then you see her shoes get thrown out there. And I was just like, oh, and then you can see like uh, Rio's obvious discomfort when he figures out what's going on. And he's like trying to block her from being seen. It was just a hilarious scene all around. And fiction has taught me whenever you see both of a lady's shoes, that means Bow Wow. Yeah, that's why this show's got a PG-13 rating. (laughs) but uh, i don't know if that's a fact <laughs> no it's super rated pg really yeah as much cussing as they do that might be in the sub though like that might oh, be like gotcha. this word it best fit we decided he's saying fuck you but like he's actually saying screw you you know like it might be that kind of thing because momotaro curses a lot he's like the deadpool of that series crabs don't fly asshole i mean is asshole not pg I don't know Uh, anymore. I don't know. Uh, They probably have completely different standards now. But speaking of manholes, um, 
<laughs> the contract holder is not opening up for the turtle. There's a turtle monster this time that's just abusing people. Uh, yeah. That can split itself in two. Yeah. Um, and like he like goes to like attack the the guy's boss, like puts him in like a full body cast, and like he goes to like to like attack the guy, puts him in a full body cast. <laughs> and they end up next to each other in the hospital, which is the funniest thing I've seen in a long time. The boss says, oh, you set that monster, right? Well, like, I'd be careful. Like, he got beat up by the monster, too, dude. Like, it's not really his fault. It is, but, like, you wouldn't know that. <laughs> well, the thing is, when you first see the boss, like, when he does go to beat him up, he doesn't really look like that big of a jerk. He looks like maybe he's overworked and stressed yeah. out also. But it's until he starts talking to his employee while they're there in the hospital that you're like, oh, if this is what he's like on a day to day basis, hell yeah, I'd hire a monster to beat him up, too. And the scene back in time, like um, with the contract holder guy is like he's like uh, also stressed with a bunch of stuff. So I wonder if maybe there's like an understaffed candy holiday cup, whatever they are, because they're just like mm -hmm. super whatever. Um, but yeah, so uh, <laughs> the Taros are in mascot costumes trying to help watch the contract holder <laughs> i loved that scene and like kid was like yeah i finally have a body and like you're after like you're in a mascot costume and you're just dust like you don't have a body like let and also get away from those kids <laughs> let me show you something let me show you something when yuto sees him selling candy you see deneb who's like you can go help them and he pulls out candy from his like a whole basket of candy from his dick and gooch and stuff yeah i i <laughs> thought about rewinding that to make sure i'd seen it right but then i was like no because if i did i don't want to see it again so <laughs> whatever just happened we're gonna say that's what happened and i just <laughs> there's a lot going on here but like um when Riotro's like now getting ready to go back in time because like the image like shows up and like blasts off kids roast and like can like go back in time because like the, the dude remembers his wish i guess but um <laughs> this dude shows up trying to like extort the candy stand be like what are you doing without giving me a taste like without talking to me <laughs> and Naomi's like oh yeah hello we're here and he's like no that's not what i meant <laughs> just so delightful i mean just that whole interaction especially with naomi just being like well i'm saying hi to you now what's the issue and the way that um he gets possessed by momotros throws him but then he's too busy so when uratros like shows up he also like takes him over and they go back in time just it's like a world record throw <laughs> just you know <laughs> it was so good yeah he landed just over the line i was like Man, and they didn't even get to see that. They, he, that would have given him something to cheer about for days. And once they're back in time, like at the candy convention, um, Yuto is like, how many cards do we have? And like, that's when he's told by Denev eight. And he says, I'm not sure if that's a lot or very little. And he uses one because like it's a two on one fight and then they fight together. And that was interesting. Mm -hmm. This limit. I'm wondering if it's a hard limit. I'm wondering when we're going to learn more about it. Yeah, I am too. <laughs> Excuse me. And I'm kind of curious to see what, if anything, it has to do with him 
seeming to have this knowledge about the liner, but being real vague about it, almost like he doesn't know as much as he wants people to think he does. Like, it's all really going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah, um, I really don't know, because, like, what it says is, from when we see Zeronos, he only has 10 times he could transform, which is a, not many. Right. Um, and, like, I like um this whole fight scene, is like, the way that Eurotros is, like, fighting two people and, like, lying and, like, his back's hurt, but it's not. And then, like, the way that, like, um as they're fighting, um one of... The turtle says, like, oh, like another Deno. And then he's like, no, we're nothing like each other. And then <laughs> don't compare like, us no, to yeah. each other. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and yeah. Um, one other great line is like when they're in the giant fight, um, the zero liner goes into helicopter mode. And then, like, <laughs> um, Herotaros is just like, that's not even a train anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I love the fact that that's what he focused on as opposed to the fact that, holy fuck, that just turned into a helicopter, which would have been where my brain was at. I thought, like, when they tossed him up in the air, the blades would, like, catch him on the way down, but instead they, like, cut him vertically as he's leaping. Yeah. Strange choice, but I support it. And, of course, uh, because they, like, sold the candy and helped the guy, um, Yuto tells Hana, hey... I don't actually know anything at all, but <laughs> he's kind of nice though. He was like, he does like go back and say, but if Zero Liner was once destroyed and now does exist, that means so good anything else, you know, which is nice. Yeah, it was. Well, and you actually skipped over one of the funniest parts of that episode, which was the worker and the boss chasing each other with their crutches down the sidewalk till they got to the table that was empty. Yeah. And like, I'm wondering where that money, went. <laughs> who has the money. That was my thought too. Like, did they hide it somewhere? And now these guys have to find it or they're going to drop it off through that little slot in the door at the office. Or I, I don't know. seems like they're a logistic story about. And like, I like how, um, Yuto doesn't own the Zero Liner or know the owner. He's just it, like taking care of it. And there's that one scene too where um, right before he he like transforms like in the fight, he comes face to face with like the Sakura Yuto of 10 years in the future and they just kind of like look at each other ominously. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was definitely a what up with that moment for me. So like what do you think is going on as far as that? Like do you think that um, <clears throat> Why do you think the younger Yuto is Comrade Zeroes now? I think that I think that there must have been some kind of split in the timeline. <clears throat> Either that or something that he did intentionally. I don't I can't think of any reason except maybe to protect Ari for some reason. Maybe there's something that does happen within a point of time that he as the older version like the time walker version knows about and maybe that's why he kept keeps checking his watch like i think that maybe he knows if certain events do or don't happen within certain time periods maybe within even a certain amount of time maybe he can prevent whatever 
it is and maybe the younger version of him showing up when he did is just additional insurance that's just kind of what i've been working through in my brain obviously i'm probably gonna be completely wrong but that's just kind of what i've been thinking through this last couple episodes here so timeline wise we have 1997 yuto is 18, 17, out of high school or like high school senior. Ten years later, he is a nice dude who likes astrology or he becomes Garbard Zero Dose. Mm-hmm. 1999, 2000, the parents die and Ryotro and Ari are left alone with each other. Some point between then and like there, they open a coffee shop um, and they work t- together running it. Um, around like 2004, Yuto wouldn't have had the watch, but around 2006, he got the watch and has been part of the family. Around 2007, he disappears a month before they're meant to get married. And then, like, that's like January. By March, Retro's out of school and working part time and helping his sister, like, just sad. Then he becomes Deno. Then this is like June, July now. And he's been Deno. And now we see that. The old Sakurai is in past hanging out, and and the young Sakurai is zero dose. That's our timeline, Mm -hmm. we think? Yeah. Interesting. It is, and you know, even if it isn't something on his part, maybe it's protecting Ryo from something down the line. You know, maybe it's because he becomes uh, Deno. It's, like I said, it's going to be really cool to kind of figure out where this is all going. Yeah, like maybe what does this have to, to do, if anything, with the lost timeline, too, you know? Oh, yeah. Good point, because we're still waiting for a lot of answers on that, too. So, yeah, it seems like we've got some interesting questions coming up. Yeah, we have right now we have two timelines, at least, <laughs> plus one that's lost that might be connected to, to one of them. We don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's coming right to know. And um what are you most like excited to see more of or like what do you want to see next um i i really want to see how he ends up reconciling with ari and ryotaro um just kind of off of this big asshole impression that he's made because that's something that uh, characters in the common writer series are very good at is coming off like assholes for you know a good chunk of episodes and then all of a sudden you kind of like see their motivation or like what's underneath it so i'm i'm very excited to see kind of how they write the rest of that character out for him yeah he's an he's very interesting how they do it he's like i have a different memory of this character than he is right now so i'm wondering how true that is how it gets where it gets um also like it's hard because these characters are so popular that like there's a point too where it's like uh goes beyond the series and like what 2015 like deno is like is way different than like what like 2008 it's like you know oh interesting because yep. like it's like very much like they keep showing up for years after like some of these characters like that means nothing though because like there are totally like dead characters that will like the crossovers or like characters like that that like are um shouldn't know each other that are like hanging out it's like a weird (laughs) they're kind of cal you know 
I think that this universe is just so massive, though, it would almost be impossible to keep a beat on every single story that they've hit in every single series, because weren't you telling me these have been around since, like, the 60s or 70s anyway? Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, oh my god, can you imagine being the guy with the board and the yarn that's trying to keep track of all of these storylines for every character the thing is they do but they don't to keep like <laughs> loose track of it so like, for example um there is a movie in like 2013 that has um a bunch of characters return from a comrider show where they just decided they didn't like the ending and they all remember a different ending than the TV show. And then they all <laughs> just show up for three more years in other crossover events as if that was how the show ended. That's actually a really good way to resolve a show that got a bad ending, though. <laughs> we watched one pretty recently that could have done with that treatment. <laughs> like, <sighs> Hibiki's weird, too, because, like, um, Hibiki gets two additional we wish we could have had a like better endings happen actually mhm one in each of the like 10 year specials oh cool <laughs> it's a little wild actually <laughs> um like at some point like we should watch those a little bit like that would be fun but uh yeah um I, I don't know how much kiva gets but like hibiki and like deno get a fair bit um Harder Fies gets a lot. Uh, Blade gets a fair bit. There's a lot of shows that like get a lot of just like, oh, and we brought some actors back and they're like <laughs> <laughs> in reference. But no. Um my question for uh you though, Steph, is um who were your uh, top three favorite characters this time? Ooh. Uh definitely Denim. Loved him from the very first scene That's that we great. got to see with him. Um, <laughs> uh Riotaros again. Uh, because of his big uh, episode and fight scene that we got there toward the end of the block. And just, like I said, there's something so just delightfully charming about his childishness that I can't help but love. Um, Third one. Um, the boxer who just wanted to find that goddamn time capsule and see what his girlfriend had put away for him. Turned out to be a pair of his boxing gloves, so that was a little anticlimactic, but he was a very <laughs> endearing character also. That was such a gift of the Magi thing, like, oh, hey, you put in this time capsule your boxing gloves. It's cool. I have, I'm terminally ill. Like, what, <laughs> what was going on there? <laughs> it was such a weird, like, oh, and here's the boxing gloves for when you realize that I'm only going to live for five more months. It was very strange. It was just such a weird, uh, but, you know. They had to be sad really quick. Uh, but no, um, my three probably I'll go with uh, my third being Deneb. Just like very strong intro. He's a very just solid character and also like a very just like looking at the show as like a like storyteller. He's a very useful character. Yeah. And once again, unexpected, which was also fun. I'm going to say Hana as number two. Uh, she had a lot here. She made the most sense. She's like very much like a character who's like has been underwritten because that's like her role in the plot a little bit. But I like her as this um, just very like 
unlinked and traumatized and just like not sure what's going on character. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'd say for number one, Momotaros. I really liked him. Um, just not being settled with the way that Ryotaro wasn't talking about things and wasn't like taking things head on. Like, like it like very much like set him up as having that special relationship, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I loved it too. What was your favorite uh, of the effects or stunts that we saw? Ooh, yeah, I touched on it earlier and it's it has to be uh the oh we just talked Altair in Vega forms that we got to see. Ooh, yeah. Um you know, I know that they all have great transformation sequences, but that one just it was so over the top and I loved every bit of it. Like the lightning, the flowing cape, it was just beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. I liked the very flippy fight scene, just like the way that like they had these long shots of the people sprinting and then doing like little flips on ramps. It was like this is like an uninterrupted shot of this person just doing this in this suit with no breath and no like vision. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, shout outs to their uh uh, stunt crew or or whoever it is that fills in for those scenes because they always do a phenomenal job. Yeah. Um. And who was your favorite? Uh. Or what outfit was your favorite this time? Because this show is a lot. Oh man, just one. Okay, let me think. Favorite outfit. It's gonna have to be the um outfit that he <laughs> changes into after that struggle in the changing room. Just because I so distinctly remember when that look was in style and all over the place. And it just brought me some great nostalgia flashbacks. Mm, Yeah. I really liked how they all had their like, let's sell candy outfits. Oh, yeah. Their aprons and everything. Yeah, Yeah, that was very cute. (laughs) Yeah, there, there was a lot in this chunk. So it was really hard to pin one down but yeah i have to agree with you on the candy selling outfits for sure and uh, naomi just always looks amazing wherever she is so i I always props to her too yeah they're gonna (laughs) i don't know i feel like the show definitely gets a little like pervy on her later and it's like okay (laughs) i could see it honestly i'm surprised it hasn't happened yet to be fair yeah and like um I do like is how they really haven't set up much of a love interest for Riotro. Yeah. Him and Hannah are getting close and they've had a couple of like those almost moments, but they also could very much just be read as two people that are just connecting to each other through all the adversity that they're having at the time. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if they ever do anything with that or not. I don't know. Um, It's hard because... I feel like they're really presenting him as like um, a character who's like, OK, I'm an adult now. Moo. Wow. I really need to heal from all this trauma real quick. Like BRB in like five years when I'm ready for a relationship. <laughs> yeah. Or he may end up being almost kind of like a, um, a, a kind of Kuga character. Marita, it's just not something that's in his real worldview to, you know feel like it should be a part of his life which i was also curious about watching this block but yeah i guess we'll see um i do think that um in kook at least very strong ship there though 
<laughs> Those two well, were yeah. <laughs> deep in. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. I can't believe I'd forgotten about that when that was one of the things that I commented on. So, yeah, that, there there goes my memory right there. <laughs> really, there aren't a lot of straight ships in Covenant Rider. <laughs> I, I, you know, the more we watch, the more I see that. <laughs> and go them honestly until we've got a bunch of grown men in a bathtub with a teenaged boy though i don't think we're gonna top that who can you think of any heterosexual ships that have been strong in cover rider so far because i it like in our three shows we watched <laughs> so far i can't think of maybe like i guess ari and yuto for the future i guess or uh you know, there were a couple times with um, Hibiki's mom that we thought True. maybe she was going to hook up with one of those young guys she was always ogling. But, you know, she never did anything inappropriate. She just was a very bombastic character, and I appreciated that. But um, she's probably the only other occasion I can think of where it was like this very blatant, <laughs> like, heterosexual relationship potential. I feel like Hibiki had a lot of um, good tension with his like aid helper until she got shifted over to Hibuki. And I guess like there wasn't as much like tension, like dude sexual tension in that show. But like the ships weren't like incredible. But like I feel like um, like when you see characters like Otoya and like Jiro, you're just like, yeah, that's yeah. a ship. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah, what it does. for sure. And it well, especially because they tried. I mean, they always had these gaggles of women around them, but there was just so much less interest shown in those directions that I, yeah, it, it definitely lingered in your brain a little bit. Uh, one of my favorite, <laughs> there is a copywriter show that um, has a character who like. They do a plot line with him that very much feels like they're trying to introduce a girlfriend that he really loves, who's like in a coma, <laughs> just oh, so God. you don't think he's gay. <laughs> and it doesn't work in the slightest. <laughs> That's amazing. I, I mean, it's very creative use of that for the writer's part. But yeah, I could see like trying to watch something like that as a fan and being like, is this really what they're selling me and expecting me to buy? Like. Sorry, dude. It's just a, when you get a bunch of model dudes who are very dramatic and they're like crying in rivers, punching each other. It's going to happen. Yeah. And there tends I don't know how common it is, because obviously a lot of what I've watched has been on this show. So I don't know if it's a thing in all Japanese media or these shows in particular, but there also tends to be a lack of fear in showing the uh, male protagonist to be a little bit more dainty acting i guess or uh not afraid to have kind of like actions that are considered more effeminate than you know uh men tend to be more macho about in american tv i guess i don't know i might be wording that completely wrong it's just something that i've noticed watching these it's it's different i think there's much more um physicality beyond just violence mm -hmm. that like can like be like like the super jock situation but and also i feel like this is also a problem with like a problem's wrong this is also a thing with a lot of like western media too where like i think sometimes maybe it's just 
these are the characters who are doing things and care about things and, and forge relationships. So of course they're the ships. It's like, also here's this girl that I'm dating who's not relevant at all to my plot and my struggles. That doesn't seem as real as here's this dude that I'm like constantly fighting with and like involved with in like major ways about my life. So it's like probably that it's like the problem of, Oh, is it the dude that I was shackled to that one time? And then we became best friends and totally didn't <laughs> kiss. Or is it the one girl that I was in my car with at the movies and for like one seed, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. That's, <sighs> I, I mean, I, I get it because you do see so many examples of it everywhere, but it, I, I think that that's another one of the reasons why I have enjoyed these shows so much is just kind of seeing all these different, um, portrayals of kind of masculinity and what's acceptable to show what isn't you know things like that it's it's a really good study on just how uh media and cultures can differ so widely yeah but um we should talk about our like ships next time too when we have like some more fodder though but uh oh yeah because as i did mention i did go two episodes over and i can already pick out one Oh, <laughs> so no. I, I'm excited to talk about it. Yes. <laughs> this series, uh, I'm very excited uh, as we get to the movie, honestly, because it's so it's a weird movie compared to some. It's very much like a <laughs> common writer movies tend to be weird. Yeah, <laughs> but it's canon, which is weird. Like that last movie, oh. those last two movies weren't really canon. Oh, yeah. OK, so this is definitely going to be interesting. Got to make sure I keep my notebook out for this. But no. Uh, so, Steph, when you're uh, not talking about Common Rider, where can we find you? Um, you can find me at www.arcademilitia.com. Um, you can find me on Instagram at nobody much. Um, I have not been on Twitter as recently. I'd love to say it was for some social justice reason or because Elon Musk bought it or something. I just honestly haven't logged in. Um, but when I do, you can find me at uh, hat underscore sis. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll try to be a more regular user. Yeah. And uh, if you want to find me on a website that might soon have been bought by like a part like emeralds, um, you can find me on Twitter at uh, James Forge. Uh, you can find uh, the podcast <laughs> on Twitter and Instagram at Common Ride with me. There's Common there's Ride com for episodes and articles. Com slash merch for all of our merch with the proceeds going to good, small, and mid-sized charities like the Trevor Project. Uh there's com slash episodes with links out two different platforms. Please rate and review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Uh, that's very, very important for discoverability. Uh on some good chart spots lately. So we like doing that and like meeting more people. Um sending questions to podcast at comradery.com. We uh like to hear what you want to see maybe like a special like format change or questions that kind of stuff um we are like always like listening to of like when we do finish with the series what's next maybe it's like hey could you do a zone fighter <laughs> could you do <laughs> this weird series from the 50s it's like yeah yeah that sounds fun heck yeah but yeah i'm down for it give us give us some niche content give us something that neither of us have heard of before that'd be super fun yeah, I have a couple ideas, but I want to wait a little bit more just to see if there's any like real push besides to something. It's like, oh, like what about this series? It's like, okay, yeah, that's who knows. Uh, very cool. 
But yeah, and Steph, what did we learn today? We have learned that if you only have a certain number of transformation cards and a big gang of dancers slash parkour champions comes after you, sometimes it's just a good idea to use one anyway. That's what my uncle used to say about his Viagra. And that's also what my fortune cookie this morning said. So we're on, we're on track here. Your fortune cookie said my uncle's Viagra? Yes. Why else would I have fortune cookies for breakfast? Keep up. That's a very good haiku. Fortune cookie. <laughs> my uncle's Viagra. Over about Fuji. <laughs> and we just invented a new common writer series. Thank you for watching. My uncle's Viagra. <laughs> Over about Fuji. certain number of transformation cards and a big gang of dancers slash parkour champions comes after you, sometimes it's just a good idea to use one anyway. That's what my uncle used to say about his Viagra. And that's also what my fortune cookie this morning said. So we're on, we're on track here. Your fortune cookie said my uncle's Viagra? Yes. Why else would I have fortune cookies for breakfast? Keep up. That's a very good haiku. Fortune cookie. <laughs> Michael's Viagra. Over about Fuji. <laughs> and we just invented a new common writer series. Thank you for watching. My uncle's Viagra. <laughs> Over about Fuji. <laughs> <laughs>